saving money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards, we have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Through 25 seasons, hey! 4,561 episodes. I believe The Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the LOLs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. One out of four women and one out of seven men in this country, the United States of America, have been sexually abused. We have talked about it a lot on this show. It is in the news a lot. Every week, we get hundreds of letters from women who have lived with this secret for years. Because the nightmare of sexual abuse continues long after the molesting stops, if you've been abused yourself, you may be surprised how it has affected you. Or you may be one of those women, like myself, who never even looked at your life to realize how what happened to you as a child has affected you. See if you recognize yourself in any of these characteristics of women who have been abused sexually as children. Do you have an aversion to sex? Were you sexually promiscuous as a child? Were you more sexually inquisitive as a child than your friends? Are you leaning toward homosexuality or bisexuality? Drugs, alcohol, have they played a role, major role in your life? Are you a perfectionist? Do you have an inability to function and you can't seem to get organized? Do you sometimes have flashbacks of the incident and can't get it out of your mind and relive it over and over? Did you relive it as a child many times? Do you have an inability to have relationships? Have you been married many times? Multiple marriages, spider woman type, you snare opposite sex only for sex? Are you overprotecting your children? All of my audience members today have been sexually abused. And some of the stories that you are here of, are of a very sensitive nature. So you might want to find something else for the children to do, or you may, if you are an open-minded, enlightened parent, prefer for your children to see this show. I want to read you a letter that we received here on The Oprah Winfrey Show. It is from one of the guests here today, Jamie. 
She says, I've held this secret of incest and its force within myself for over 30 years, and I'm now ready to tell my story. It's a story of incest, of sexual abuse, of physical abuse, of verbal abuse, emotional trauma, and alcoholism. The sad truth is that just because the physical behavior stopped, the damage remains. I've carried around my secrets for so long now that the secrets have become as big a problem as the actual abuse itself. And so that's what this show is about. It is about what happens after the abuse. Jamie, tell me, what happened in your life? I was getting uh, molested. I started getting abused by my brothers when I was three, and it stopped when I was around seven, and they let their friends also abuse me. I was sort of the, like the doll in their life. Mm -hmm. And then I was getting molested by the man up the street that was acted as our grandfather until I was 11, and I was raped when I was 15. And I was pregnant at 16, and I have two daughters now. As a result? None of the rapes. I was married for about eight years. Mm -hmm. And I'm a recovering alcoholic, and one of my daughters is also a recovering alcoholic. When you were being abused by, the, by your brothers, did you know it was wrong or bad? No. Uh -huh. they, my brothers were the only people in my family that were nice to me, that weren't hitting me. Uh -huh. I'm one of nine children. And I was being beaten by both my mother and my father. Uh -huh. And my brothers, they were always just nice to me. And they always were friendly with me. And they never, I never thought they were hurting me because they weren't hitting me. What kind of effect do you think it's had on your life, those years from three to seven, when you were being used well, by your brothers and trying later their to, friends? Uh, trying to form relationships. I don't have a real good track record with men at all. I've been married twice and I seem to have a real difficult time in relationships with uh, men. In the last couple of years I've begun to form relationships with women because I didn't trust women either. Mm -hmm. By relationships you mean sexual relationships? No, mm -hmm. friendships. friendships. I've, I've been isolated most of my life and I've overprotected my children and I've I kind of was the rebel, though, too. I've been loud and aggressive, but mm -hmm. so that no one would know what was really going on. And how on. do you see that the sexual abuse had any effect on all of these other things that have happened in your life or impact? Well, trying to just maintain and go about day-to-day -day life. It's for a long time before I started talking about it. I would wake up in the morning and wonder why I had woken up again, why I didn't just die during the night. Mm -hmm. Because I finally, when I went to therapy, I had decided to have myself committed. Because every time I woke up, I didn't know what would happen during the day. I, could, I held a big job, I had my kids, people thought I was superwoman, people thought I was friendly. One woman even said to me, she thought I never had had a sad day in my entire life. Mm -hmm. But that's because I was busy keeping the secret. And, the, and I couldn't let anyone know. When I went to a Catholic school and the, the nuns would ask me about things and I couldn't tell them. I couldn't tell them what was going on. You were abused by your father, Charlene? Mm -hmm. Yeah. At it, what age? It started, I don't remember when it started. Mm -hmm. I was so young. And it, it happened almost every day. 
and um, up until he finally died when I was 12. And that's when it finally ended. And how has it affected your life? Um, I don't trust. I can't trust. I don't have relationships. They always fall apart. I um, have no sexual desire whatsoever. I'm constantly depressed. I become a good actress because I, I always have to smile. And I, I never feel like smiling. It's there all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like a shadow hanging over my head. I was hurt so young. You know, some, I mean, the person that I love so much hurt me. So Linda, bad. it was your brother and his friends too? My brother, his friends, and my father. And you think it affected your life in what way? I don't trust men. My relationships always fail with women and men. I can't seem to find what makes me happy. And you think that's a direct result of what happened to you as a child? Yeah. In the, in the abuse? Yes. Yes. Rhonda, you were abused. I was. And you confronted the abuser. By letter. By letter. So I have circled a part here where it starts in red. Would you read that to us, please? This is to my uncle. Okay. Whenever I saw you coming while we lived at Grandpa's house, I always ran to the backyard and hid behind one of his fruit trees. I hid there in fearful pain. You hurt me deeply, Gordon. You'll never know the damage you did. You robbed me of my innocence as a child and created a fearful and distrusting world. You tarnished and damaged my self-esteem, my self-worth that was already struggling to survive. You made me feel worthless, dirty, and bad. How could I go and talk to someone under these helpless feelings? I trusted you as an adult, and more importantly, as a person that was supposed to care about and love me. I took for granted that uncles and grandpas were supposed to love, protect, and keep a child's best interest foremost in their minds. You made me afraid of you and afraid of what is supposed to be sacred and special in a caring and loving relationship. You damaged a little tiny child. That child in me still cries and hurts. You managed to confuse my life and my relationships with other people by that one violent act of yours. Heaven only knows how many other lives you've hurt and even destroyed. You are a very sick man and need help. I can't change you or what you did to me. I can tell others, and I have, and I hope I can put to sleep the pain that I have carried around inside of me for over 17 years. I have been angry at you. I have been bitter and even hated you for making my world such a lonely one and so tremendously painful. I doubt to ever receive an apology from you or even for you to acknowledge the fact that you are a child abuser and a child molester and need professional help. It does matter that I know it happened, and you do too. I pity you and grieve the hurt of myself and surely others that you've damaged. Do you feel better having written the letter? Oh, I sure do. Yeah. I Did wrote you respond that to the letter? No. Uh -huh. <laughs> you have to understand that when I wrote this letter, I, hang, I hung on to it for five months. I was afraid to send it. I was in therapy, and, and after the encouragement of my therapist and from talking to Dr. Susan Forward on the radio five years ago and mm -hmm. her encouragement to send this letter that five months later I rewrote it so that it was in good penmanship, that it was from a person that 
was not stupid, from a person that was not illiterate, that, from a person that had something of substance, mm -hmm. and then I sent it. And then I was still afraid. Afraid of what? <laughs> I was that little girl. Mm -hmm. I was that little girl confronting a rape. You say something in the letter that I think every person who has experienced this, and until reading about it, and it actually was in the middle of a talk show one day that I, listening to someone else tell their story, that it hit me like a bullet that, my God, that's me too. Because you talk about the confusion. And I was raped when I was nine years old too. And subsequent abuses at other ages, 12 and 13. And led a very confused adolescence where I was always in search of somebody loving me and was very promiscuous, and then was accused of being promiscuous and looking for what I thought was love, and did not understand the connection between having been robbed of my innocence as, 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 as a right. nine-year-old and all of that confusion. And that's, you know, I have since grown out of it, and I am grateful for the grace that I have that a lot of people seemingly don't have, because I was, have... There was I no have, childhood. Yeah. And I, re and I resent that. Mm -hmm. I still resent that. I don't hurt anymore. Yeah, I don't hurt. I, the hardest thing for me to, to come to now is that learning how not to be the victim anymore. Yeah. I think it helps you, it makes you, it puts you in a place in your life where it is easier for you to be the victim all the time. You find yourself in relationships where you're being victimized because you can't say no because of whatever reason. Patty? I have a hard time saying no to anybody. Yeah. I was abused by my father. I was abused by my stepmother physically. I was accused of trying to steal her husband from her. I've been married four times. I'm only 27. My fourth marriage is divorcing um, right now. I have a hard time putting relationships together. I've cheated on everybody I've ever been with, with an exception. I lie to them. I don't feel that I'm getting what I need out of it. I'm searching for a love that I just missed from everybody when I was little, and I'm not getting it. When I feel I'm not getting it, I look for what I'm missing and from somebody else. I have a five-year-old daughter that I'm having a very hard time with. She likes to wear dresses. She has a male bus driver, and um, I have to stand and get grips with myself when I put her on the bus. Because you think every man's going to... Sure I do. ...to do to her what was done to you. Sure I do. She's the author of Men Who Hate Women and the Women Who Love Them, and my favorite talk show guest <laughs> of all times, Dr. Wow. Susan Forward. Years ago, when this wasn't talked about, right. you wrote a book about the loss of innocence. Betrayal of innocence. Betrayal yeah. of innocence. And I, I think for so many people who were sexually abused, and I, I said earlier, I was one of those people who did not understand the connection between what was happening yeah. in my life and what had happened to me. And what you just said earlier, you lose your childhood and the innocence that comes with that childhood. Is that what brings about all of this confusion? Because I know now I have said to people before I, I even realized this, why not just go on with your life? Yeah. It's something that happened. So put the pieces together and forget it. Wouldn't it be nice if we could do that? Yeah. I think that the, for me, it's the three Ds. It's the sense of being dirty, damaged, 
and different. Yeah. And when that's your core experience of yourself, you really unconsciously then orchestrate your life to make all of that come true. The single greatest common denominator that incest does, regardless of what form it took, who it was with, how long it went on, how old you were when it started, is the total wipeout of self-worth, of self-esteem. You do experience yourself, as, as one patient of mine said, think of the lowest thing in the world, and whatever it is, I'm lower. And, uh, uh, let me ask you yeah. this. Let me ask you this. Why is it that it seems to perpetuate? Because I used to blame myself. Why yeah. is it that, and someone else mentioned here too, it happened when you're nine or it happens when you're five. And so it seems logical that if it happens to you when you're five and it's so traumatic, or it happens to you when you're nine and it's so traumatic that you would do everything in the world to never get yourself in that situation again. But for some reason, it is just the opposite. I thought I was a target. I thought for some reason, everybody else who picked me must have known about the last mm -hmm. incident. Like you were a sign. Yeah, yeah. that there was a sign yeah. on me that said, you can get her. Yeah, abuse me. So why is that? Well, first of all, little kids can't survive emotionally if they believe that what's happening to them is because the adults are bad. Yeah. If you're a little kid and something bad happens to you, the way you make sense of that is you say, I feel bad, bad things are happening, therefore I am bad. Mm -hmm. And that's a very important defense to help kids survive. The problem is when we grow up, we forget to put that defense away. And so even though you may consciously say to yourself, it's in the past, I can do with, you know, I can forget about it, it's not going to affect my life, it latches on and ingrains itself in your inner world. I think more intensely than anything else, I think this is probably the single most devastating traumatic experience that can befall a human being. Because the very people that you look to for protection and for guidance and for love and for care are the very people that betray you. Not some stranger, not the guy that, that runs the newsstand, but your daddy your grandpa, your uncle, your brother. These are your first intimate relationships. And if your first intimate relationships are fraught with this kind of betrayal and exploitation and grief and rage, it is very, not difficult, it is impossible to get past that until you do some really serious work for yourself. You wanted to say what? Yes, yeah. yes ma'am. I just wanted to say that all through my life, I've kept it inside of me yeah. for 17 years. It happened from the ages of three to five. And it's just been coming out this year. I just told my mother. And how, how, did your, how did your mother react? She was devastated. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was her godsend from heaven. She waited 10 years to conceive me. And when she had me, my father left her. And then she met my sister's father who raped me mm -hmm. from the ages of three to five. And all through my life, I've been very depressed. Yes. I've been very promiscuous, looking for someone to love me while making love to me and not to hurt me while having sex with me. And I think what is important for everybody to understand, and it's the reason why we're doing the show, is to understand that that's a very normal feeling. Isn't that normal? It's but not only normal, it's the way you survived in right. the world. 
And one of the most controversial things about my work in this area has been my push for confrontation. Yeah. I push everybody I work with to confront that the truth must come out. There is absolutely no reason for the victim to bear the entire burden of this secret. And what happens, unfortunately, most of the time is the victim becomes the villain. Why are you upsetting us now? Mm -hmm. Why can't you let it be in the past? What are you trying to do? Destroy my life. And everybody else becomes the victim. And all of a sudden, the, the real victim is faced very often that by telling the truth, they may very well lose their whole family. My point with all of that is you never had them anyway. And there's plenty of family out there that may not be biologically related That's who right. will love and support you. Right. I just confronted my father while well, I wrote I have talked to him several times, and I just wrote him a letter. Yeah, good. Um, I held on to it for, oh, it was, I think, two weeks. And it was because growing up, I did not know my natural mother. I met my mother when I was 21. We didn't <laughs> agree on several things. And one was that I was still having contact with my father. So in one-on-one -on -one therapy and with, I'm in, also in a group, I decided that I was going to write him this letter because of a conversation that we had. He, he may as well have patted himself on the back. He told me that. He said, I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back, but I trained you well. Oh, yeah. And one of the rationalizations. I got so sick. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about the yes. fact that there are men out there who are doing this to children, yes. their own children, their own nieces and cousins. And, and sons. And sons. And, and sons. Let's yes. not forget right. the men. That's a whole yeah. separate issue who don't understand that this is the result, shattered lives. Because there are so many men, including some who uh, abused me as a child, who, if confronted now, would say, she wanted it. She liked it. She liked yeah. it. My father told me that I wanted to lay in his arms right. after yeah. performing The these problem acts with that it. is, and it's very difficult to say so that people understand this, because I said it once and someone wrote a letter into People magazine saying what a horrible human being I was. <laughs> The problem is, and I don't know if any of you felt this either, you get mixed signals because it's your first introduction to anything that resembles a sexual feeling. The mixed feeling is that this is bad, but it also feels good. interesting well, or for good. Well, for some victims, for a lot of yes. victims, it's painful, repulsive, yeah. horrible for yeah. them, and there's a lot of physical abuse that takes place as well. Yeah. These but are not adored children necessarily. Of course, but part of yeah. my guilt was that, well, okay, so if at some time it did feel, feel good, good sexually, right. Does that mean I'm responsible? Does that, that mean I, I, I yeah. am well, I think blame. everything becomes so distorted. Your yeah. whole reality is so distorted. Your, your ability to choose. Your other point was real important. Let abusers know that what they do really hurts. Yes. And tell the mothers. Tell the mothers, no, if, mothers even if they've been through it, again. stop mm -hmm. it. Yeah, mothers don't want stop to Stop it. Wh whoever knows, it needs mm -hmm. to stop. It's very damaging. The problem is I mothers don't want to I told, know. No. I told my mother mm -hmm. um, two and a half years ago, and as much as she told me, you know, that she, she had such mixed feelings about it, when I, when I talked to her two weeks ago and I told her what I was up to and what I was doing, her own story keeps coming out and she keeps telling me to, that I should feel sorry for my brothers, that look at the rotten life they had because they grew up in the same family. Mm -hmm. the same and now that they know that I'm here, my therapist told me I had to tell my family I was coming here. And all of them, except my littlest sister, re said, you will alienate yourself. And I finally realized, I said to him, don't you think I did that three years ago when I first spoke up? Yeah. 
similar to what some of the women here have already shared, I had totally blocked it out of my head, anything that happened. And I got my sequence of events all mixed up. Like, I couldn't remember when my parents were divorced or when this person who abused me lived in the basement. I couldn't get dates straight. And when I finally started putting some of the pieces together, I decided to wait to have sex, or at least official sex, I don't know what you call it. <laughs> and um, I went for a gynecological appointment to get, you know, PAPS test and everything. And I freaked out in the yes. doctor's office, and I had yeah. no idea what was going on. I mean, I had no idea that this was inside of me. And I still, even afterwards, didn't make the connection. I thought that I was just super uptight or something. And the doctor, you know, talked to my husband, and we went through some problems for a while. Finally, I went for counseling, and the woman said that, you know, some of this sounds like there was sexual abuse in your past. And I just looked at her like that was the most foreign thing to me. I couldn't believe it. And since then, some of it I've remembered. Like, I'll smell things, you know, that remind me of this person, and I'll freak out. I'll be just walking, and I'll stop, and everything will just start flooding back. And I'll wait around and, you know, look around and... I'm fortunate to have a husband who's understood and yeah. is going through this, you know, a step at a time with me. But I was in therapy for a year and then went into group. I think the point that you made is a point that we can't emphasize enough, that the people who do this to children need to know that it hurts. It won't make any difference because they don't care, Oprah. You people say, that do this to children don't have the capacity for empathy, for remorse, for guilt for recognizing that you're causing pain to another human being. The impulse to abuse is such an, a strong impulse. It's such a compulsion. And you say it's not sexual? No, not sexually motivated Violence. at all. And I'll, I'll justify that. All those men out there who are fondling their daughters and nieces. I get plenty of sex. It's control. They want to control. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like power. The power. They, it's power. Mm -hmm. It's the total adoration that only children and dogs give us. That's very seductive to a man who feels inadequate internally, even though he may be the, the pillar of the community everywhere else. In relationships, these men feel little and inadequate, and they turn to children because children make them feel safe. And it is power, just as rape is not a sexual act. First of all, what's sexy about a three-year-old in terms of adult sexuality? The average age of an incest victim is seven. But look, and, yeah. but look at our society. Yeah. They emphasize skinny and little and young. I mean, the ramifications of this, we happen to be more allergic to the problem mm -hmm. because of our abuse. And because we're more allergic, maybe the abuser doesn't know they're wrong. But there are people who are not abused. They need to know it's wrong, and it's okay to talk about it. Mm -hmm. That would help. That would help a lot. It's like talking about death. It's you know, when somebody dies, it it's helps to talk about it, and it's dying. You die. What is amazing is oh, I, I think that the climate in this country is changing because there are mothers now who are putting their children underground rather than face court decisions that say their children have to live with an abusive father. And 10, 15, 20 years ago, when all of us were young children, the climate was such that maybe mothers had to depend on the fathers right. to win the bread on the table. And so when you go to the other guardian in, in the family and tell them, they didn't want to hear it because it would mean the loss of security. Well, incest takes place in the context of a family system, mm -hmm. and everybody feeds the system in one way or another. And I would like to believe that it's changing, and I think to some extent with younger mothers it certainly is. But, you know, the built-in need to disbelieve that these things happen is still very powerful. I was having dinner with a charming guy who's, who's an ambassador, as a matter of fact, and he said, what have you specialized in? And I said, for many years I specialized in working with adults who were sexually molested as children. And he said, or thought they were. And I said, we better end this conversation right now because we're both our dinners. Virginia Woolf's autobiography, published in 1985, 
The biographer makes this statement at the end of the book. Virginia Woolf was abused from the time she was three until the time she was 14 by her older half-brother. She killed herself in 1942, the greatest women writer of the 20th century. Stream of consciousness comes from her. And her biographer says, I wonder if her abuse had any impact mm -hmm. on her depression. <laughs> this is 1984. <laughs> yes. Yes, I was abused when I was a kid by my uncles on my mother's side. My dad, he rescued me, basically. Mm -hmm. Took me from that environment, and they were, my mother and father were separated. My dad raised me with a lot of loving care. Uh, I never admitted to him what had went on, but just recently, last year, I ran into my abusers, and uh, I had stayed away from my mother's side of the family altogether. I just found out that there are tons and tons of cousins that I have, and my biggest question I'm wondering is that, what about them? Are they being abused? Because I had no contact with Ask that family. Ask them. If yeah. you don't talk about it, it festers. The more you blow the lid off this, the more you let it out. What, who these people are. We've got to start saying, this person molested me. Don't trust him. Don't let your children be alone. Do you worry about them. doing it yourself because it was done to you? No. I didn't go through any counseling except for the church. And the church was a, a very important aspect because just understanding what's going on and I must say Oprah talking to others yes. really helps talking your problems out and sharing it with others it, it helped me you know when I was growing up but I don't fear any children or, or hurting but I did have a problem with holding babies and little children and I never came to grips with that until I started sharing my problems yeah. and understanding what was going on in my head. That's, that's the thing most that's people don't even realize how it impacts their lives. I was abused by some neighborhood boys when I was probably between five and seven and for a long time I used to wish that I'd been a man. I know there are sex change operations but that used to, to terrify me and I also went through a, a period where I thought that I was a homosexual and I, if you're talking about hope the hope is for me is just that I'll come completely out of my depression and then it won't bother me the rest of my life. There is hope. Oh, an enormous amount. I've been a practicing <coughs> therapist for almost 20 years. For about 15 of those years, uh, working with incest and sexual abuse victims was about 75-80% of my work. I have never seen anything that yields to therapy, the right kind of therapy, not just any therapy. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. dramatically and so relatively quickly, I primarily work in group and it usually takes, you know, without giving grandiose promises, somewhere around a year for mm -hmm. people to restore their dignity, their mm -hmm. self-worth, hold their head up, like themselves, start making relationships, feeling infinitely better about them, to get de-victimized. That's the, the process. Do what they want, you get de-victimized and you get in charge mm -hmm. of your life. And it doesn't take long, but you have to take that first step. How is it that some people manage to come out of it stronger than others? I, I get amazed because I don't suffer from any of the trauma of it. Somewhere I left it back there and grew, and grew beyond it. It's very important for me now to understand that and not to blame myself but somehow I didn't, I didn't have a lot of the problems that, yeah. that, that we're hearing about today. You went today. after so, what you wanted. So why are there some people who do and some people you who don't? You might have had much better other relationships yeah. in your life, other nurturing people that validated support. you in, in some Friends. ways and support. Mm -hmm. And I also think there are some temperamental differences between us. Some people will respond differently to the same kind of event just because of their, their mm -hmm. temperament and their genetics and, and their body chemistry. But I think by and large, you're unique. Mm -hmm. And I think it's real important that we give the message that if this has happened to you, I've worked with women in their 60s who were molested at five. It is never too late to heal from this, to really make dramatic changes in your life. 
The most important thing, though, is to let people understand that there is damage that, that goes far beyond the act itself. You bet. Because most people committing the act think, I mean, how much damage could it be? After all, it's sex and it's supposed to feel good, yes, right? Yes, yes, okay. yes. I think it's like having an operation that to deal with the type of problem that you've had through therapy or whatever means that you can, it's like excising that tumor yes. or whatever it is. There's always going to be a scar. Always. You can never go away from that. But just like in any surgery, that scar heals and it doesn't hurt. The loss of innocence is more than, or betrayal of innocence, is more than just innocence. It encompasses so much more. Safety, trust, <laughs> good feelings about mm -hmm. yourself, the sense that the world is an okay place, and the sense, most importantly, that you're an okay person. And we were talking mm -hmm. about forgiveness, and the only one you need to forgive is yourself, mm -hmm. and that it's not your fault, and you're not alone. And those are the two main messages that yes. victims need to hear. I tried to forgive him, but I can't. You can release it. I, it doesn't have to poison your life. You but this is pretty unforgivable. You don't have to be so angry about it. You let yeah. the anger go and right. you forgive yourself and you go on. You and don't be a victim anymore. And it's not your fault. It's not it's right. And you're not alone. Right. Those yeah, two you didn't ask message. for it. When I told my children a year ago, I knew it wasn't my fault because I could tell them that I loved them and I had dealt with them and raised them the best I could and I knew that I cared. I thank you all for being so open. I think that you helped a lot of people. I certainly hope that we did today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.